Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Bill Eve podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined by Jamie D'Amico for the third straight week. The band is back together here on Bill Eve, and we have you covered, buddy. It's great to have you back uh, for a third straight week. Summer vacation is over with. It's time to get to work, my friend. Oh, all business going forward, right? We've got the NFL season coming, and Oh my gosh, can you believe it? We actually saw live NFL action. How great was that? Actually getting to see, I know that, you know, and it was kids day. It was, it started off as kind of an auspicious weather day. I had, I didn't go to the game myself. I I gave the tickets uh, to my friend group who go, um, but the, the weather turned from a monsoon where they were evacuating uh, people, the lower bowls in the stadium. The weather was inclement there at the stadium. And then it was just a picture perfect afternoon. Once the rain got out of the system, uh, a great uh, day for the kids at Highmark stadium, beautiful conditions. And the bills emerged with a 23 to 19 victory. Jamie, I honestly don't care too much about, the final score. I don't care too much about some of the things we're going to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like and some of the takeaways. But for me, the biggest takeaway was this outside of Tommy Doyle um, and, and DJ Dale suffering injuries. The team seemed to escape the week one preseason opener relatively unscathed on the injury front. That to me trumps everything else. Absolutely. I I entirely agree with you on that. And you know, when the bills were going to the super bowl, they were not winning preseason games. Now, interestingly, the bills have won 10 of 11 preseason games under Sean McDermott, but it doesn't matter. It does not matter what the final score is. What you want to see is individual performances. You want to see what different units look like. You need to figure out what you have going into the season, the players you need to keep. And you can't always figure that out by putting the best players on the field for a long time. In fact, it's better if you don't, because the guys that aren't getting as many reps need the reps so you can make a good evaluation of them. And, oh, by the way, if they happen to outperform the other players that are being evaluated by the competition, great. If not, oh, well, who cares? (laughs) Yeah, no one's out there and, uh, you know, no one's out there, you know, drafting fantasy lineups based off of what happens uh, in week one of the preseason. I do want to give our fans a little update. Uh, Sean McDermott spoke about the severity. So I mentioned Tommy Doyle. One of the reasons this is a big injury is the fact that the bills just don't have the depth 
um, that we were hoping for the established depth along the offensive line. Uh, I know they were hoping the bills were that he was going to possibly um, win that swing tackle roster spot. He missed all of last year with that torn ACL. And in the third quarter, he suffered a play where his knee got rolled up on and he just wasn't able to finish the game. It's a big blow um, for Doyle from what we're able to tell based on what McDermott said, it's a knee injury to the same knee that he suffered last Uh. season, which is not good um, at all because, but apparently they're ruling out the ACL tear. This is according to banged up bills on Twitter. They both do a great job of giving you updates on the injuries and, and, and whatnot and sharing videos that really put this into context. But it seems like from what banged up bills is citing um, by being hit directly from behind and falling onto his knee, it looks like it could be a contusion, an MCL sprain, or possibly a PCL sprain. But it looks like it's nothing with the high ankle and nothing with the ACL. So the thought is it's not going to be season ending or anything. It's going to take time for him to work his way back. But at least the Bills seem to dodge a bullet on the Tommy Doyle injury front. Knowing what can happen to players when they get rolled up on from behind it looked ugly when it happened. And seeing that on television, my first thought was, oh God, his leg just fell off. <laughs> <laughs> but no, on, honestly though, it, it looked really bad to me. And then when he was on the field for the next snap, I was a little bit surprised. So I, I watched him. I'm like, what's going to happen here? Can he move? And he held up blocking pretty well on that play. So I, I was surprised that he stayed in the game. And I, I know that he's fighting for a roster spot. If he was a little more secure in his roster position, he probably would have run to the sideline. With this point, really, there's no, you know, uh, no need to look anything into it other than Doyle is going to be out for several weeks and we'll see more updates, according to Sean McDermott, moving forward. But again, you never want to see any of your players go down during the preseason. Um, but it was it's interesting, Jamie, because it's really a tough conundrum. You've got these guys who are just itching. They're champing at the bit to get out there and make an impression on the coaching staff. So they're willing to put their bodies on the line to try to earn one of those either 53-man roster spots mm-hmm. or, or a practice squad spot. So the competition is fierce, and it's great that we actually were able to have some players play yesterday in a full game that didn't count, but was more competitive than the scrimmages we've seen at St. John Fisher. So with that being said, let's talk about what we liked and what we didn't like from the preseason opener. And before we go into any specifics, my number one, number two, number three shining star has to be Damar Hamlin uh, coming out and being back on the field. He made his triumphant return to the field in a game against another team. Uh, he had three tackles. Um, he was involved heavily. The Colts didn't go after him at all in pass coverage, but I really liked what I saw, the tenacity. I didn't really see too much hesitation, which you wouldn't blame Hamlin whatsoever after dying on the field last January, after going through nine minutes of CPR. It's a modern miracle, and it's remarkable that he was even able to resume playing this game he loves much less playing at a decent level i mean he made a huge stop on that fourth and one play that really gave the bills the ball back and had some momentum there yeah he and boogie combined on that tackle and i have to say seeing him mix it in there you know he was making tackles on the running back a player 
larger than he is, no hesitation, like you said. I mean, the guy the guy was sticking his hat in there. It looks like it, it is the DeMar Hamlin of old. And I have to say, they've got him playing with the second team. The second team, man. So it tells me that at this point, they expect him to be a weekly contributor. And oh, by the way, he was playing on special teams too. Yeah, how is this possible? I am not really much of a religious man, but I do believe in in some sort of, I don't know, higher power of positivity and, and people coming together. And just the amount of support that DeMar had from the moment this happened until he took the field yesterday, it, it was just awesome. It was so rewarding. And I, I feel like what he's doing goes beyond our comprehension. I mean, it talks about the determination of one individual to continue defying the odds. I mean, it wasn't like DeMar was a first round pick who was an all-star when this happened. He was a seventh rounder out of Pitt who, yes, he was playing a larger role with the team last year, but it wasn't like he was a starter. I mean, he was, you know, he was starting because of the Micah Hyde injury, but there was a lot of uncertainty. What type of player, what type of DeMar Hamlin were we going to see? There was even, I heard, national experts like Peter King. I heard other uh, pundits discussing the fact that DeMar Hamlin's roster spot was not secure. And you could make Mm -hmm. the case, bringing in Taylor Rapp as the number three safety. And then the Bills, it would come down to Hamlin or Dean Marlowe, who the Bills traded a seventh rounder last year to reacquire and bring into the mix. I feel like we can finally put all that to bed based on how the team used Hamlin and how he performed yesterday. His roster spot is secure. I, I I think so at this point. If if you're playing in the first quarter of a preseason game, you're not going anywhere. Well, that's a pretty good jumping off point, Jamie. We have a lot of things we can talk about here on the Bill Eve podcast. But before we get to some of the second half, you know, standouts, I want to ask you a question about Dane Jackson and the way he played. I thought he had a really impressive performance. He came up with a nice interception on the opening drive that set up James Cook's running touchdown. It seemed like the Bills coaches gave Dane Jackson the playing reps of someone who already has a starter's job wrapped up with the fact that he played the first series and then Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford handled the rest of the first half. What do you make of the way Sean McDermott deployed Dane Jackson starting off the game? I don't exactly know, to be honest with you, because at this point, I feel like the coaching staff knows everything there is to know about Dane Jackson, right? We, we can say that, and Joe Buscalia wrote that this morning. So is it the kind of thing that Dane Jackson is so consistent that they know what they have in him and they feel like they don't need to give him reps? Or do they feel like he is the undisputed starter and they want to take him off the field because they can't? risk him getting injured it's a tough question and to me they're probably rooting against Dane Jackson to win the starting spot I think that they probably want Kyer Elam because of his draft position to take that and run with it and Christian Benford to be honest that guy is big he's a good tackler I think they love him I think that Benford in a lot of ways embodies what you want in in a player coming in and winning the competition. But you know what? Dane Jackson's the same thing. He was a seventh round pick himself. So I I guess I would say 
I think it's to be determined going forward. What do you think? It's it's really interesting because we all know what does Sean McDermott prioritize out of a preseason game? Clearly the health of his players, but he also doesn't want to see mindless penalties. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like Benford and Elam both hurt themselves with holding calls that were committed against them during their time on the field. Whereas Dane Jackson, I know he only played the first series, but he didn't commit any miscues. He made a nice play to come up with the interception. Now, granted, it wasn't the most difficult eh. play to catch at all. It was a gift. Made, it, it really was. But Dane put himself in that position to gather the gift and return it. So, I mean, he was reading the field well in that, again, limited uh, series of, of snaps on the field. I don't know. Maybe this is a motivational ploy to because uh, you're right. I feel like if the Bills had their druthers, either Elam or Benford would be the starter over the retreat Dane Jackson. But then again, Dane Jackson knows this system better than Elam and Benford. He's I, I just feel like we've said this before with Dane Jackson. You know the floor and you know the ceiling. Whereas with Elam and Benford, I think the ceiling is higher than Jackson's ceiling. But the floor might be lower, too. And the team really wants that consistency out of that CB2. So I feel like it's a to be determined. I'm not willing to anoint Jackson, the CB2 starter, off of this performance. But it was interesting to read between the lines, to read the tea leaves based off of the performance yesterday. I, I, I thought so, too. I, I thought so, too. And you know what? There's worse things you can have than a Dane Jackson starting. Yes, he has his limitations, but he's always going to be in position. He's going to make his tackles. He He's maligned by Bill's Mafia probably more than he should be because he is a quality day-to-day starter. He's not a star, and he's never going to be, but he's better than what a lot of teams are trotting out there. I feel I feel you're right. And I feel like the CB2 competition, honestly, it's a benefit for the Bills where you could take the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. The individual players in the Bills secondary, there's more competition. And I feel like with a Dane Jackson, a Kair Elam, and a Christian Benford, gone are the days when the Bills had assigned Josh Norman and other retreats, you know, to come in and uh, and fill the back of the Xavier Rhodes last year. I mean the Bills have more depth in the secondary, and I don't think it's a bad thing if it's interchangeable who steps up as that CB2. It's better to have competition and good bodies to take over the role opposite Trey White. I think it's a good situation for Buffalo to be in. I, well, depth is always a wonderful thing, right? And the Bills have it. So if there are injuries in the secondary, I think that they're very well equipped to to handle it. And that actually brings me to another topic, but I'm going to hold off on that. Ooh, a segue out there. Well, mm-hmm. I'm always open for a nice little transition in the podcast here. We are talking about Bills players that stood out, uh, people on the rise, people on the fall after Buffalo's, which again, it's really hard to put into a category of who's rising and who's declining after a preseason game. But I want to say one other guy before we get to your topic, Jamie, your, your player, One other guy that I was really impressed with who has been maligned by Bills fans, maybe not as much as Dane Jackson, but, you know, pretty up there is Boogie Basham. I thought he had a very nice performance along with Tim Settle. Uh, They really stole the show, I felt like, as far as the pass rush, getting after Anthony Richardson, getting after Gardner Minshew. You know, I think that you're talking, it's going to be hard, I feel like, for Boogie um, to, to make 
there's so much competition on this defensive line, but he did a really solid performance yesterday along with, again, Tim Settle. I'll put those two in the same category as having really good performances and made a really strong case to earn a roster spot after their performance in week one. I, I would say so too. And that was one of the things that really stood out to me is just the defensive tackles in general showed that they are, they're good players. They have a lot of depth. I thought that settled did a decent job of making some plays though. They are not the same run defense without Daquan Johnson, uh, Daquan Jones on the field. But when the Colts brought in their second teamers, I thought, um, also, that Puna Ford and Eli Anku all played extremely well. And even Cortez Broughton was in there a bit, and he was collapsing the pocket. I, I think that the Bills are going to have players on the roster now that end up cut and picked up by other teams because they have that much depth. Yeah, this Bills roster is loaded top to bottom. And I know uh, we, we mentioned some of the, the strengths of the defensive line with the depth. But as much as we, I, I want to balance off, and we'll, we'll we're gonna go back and forth and talk about several different players here on the podcast. But you mentioned the run game. One of my lows for the opener in general is the fact that Buffalo's first string defense, which, by the way, you know, as much as people, I mean, th- look, this unit, the Bills weren't gonna start everybody, but you could tell. I mean, most of their starters played outside of Josh Allen and Von Miller and Stephon Diggs. I mean, you had Greg Russo. Ed Oliver, Matt Milano, Hyde and Poyer, and Trey White on defense. Uh, those are starters for the regular season. And then James Cook started, Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid started, and you got the starting offensive line uh, intact for at least the first series. But Buffalo's defense was disappointing in the first half. I know the Bills were clinging to a 10-7 to lead, but they allowed the Colts to rack up 195 yards in the opening half, and that's one of my lows from the preseason opener in general, Jamie is just the way that as much as you want to credit the bills defense for bending, but not breaking, they were bending a little bit too much for my liking with the way that they were giving up both backbreaking penalties and just big uh, chunk yardage plays in general that really allowed the Colts to move up and down the field. Yeah. I I had some consternation about that myself and and it seemed like the defensive line was not getting their job done. And that was something that bothered me. You had some, some decent play by the defensive backfield, but I I certainly was not happy with what I was seeing uh, by the first team defense. It, when the safeties are making that many plays, things are going poorly and DeMar Hamlin. Hey, great. Good. Good to see you getting your, uh, getting your beak wet when it comes to playing. I don't want you, I don't want to see you making plays against the run. The one player who I thought was all over the field though was Micah Hyde, and it was good seeing him running around out there. Oh, amen to that. I mean, talk about someone who is really look. Demar Hamlin deserves all of the credit, all of the verbal bouquets we can throw his way for coming back and making an impact. But Micah Hyde's return from that season-ending neck injury. Not as scary, but right up there as far as debilitating conditions that players are returning from. And it was really refreshing to see Hyde out there running around full steam, uh, making good plays out there. You know, I felt like another player who really was all over the place on defense in a good way was Dorian Williams. You know, the middle mm-hmm. linebacker is um, is wide open right now. Uh, and we've seen Terrell Bernard, you know, suffered an injury. 
um, with his condition, he, you know, he was making early uh, headway towards being the possible starting middle linebacker, but it's been a long race. And I thought Dorian, you know, I'm not saying he is going to be winning the starting linebacker role right away, but what the Bills staff must have seen from him. I mean, he was, he was all over the field. He was playing with a high motor. He was making excellent pursuit and excellent angles he was taking when going after the Colts players and ball carriers. He made seven tackles on Saturday. I was really impressed with what the rookie put on tape for uh, his first game with the Bills. Now, do you find it interesting that they did take the middle linebacker off of his plate and now he's only playing the weak side linebacker? Which, if he's playing weak side, that means he's only going to be a backup to Matt Milano, which means he's not getting on the field with any regularity. So... With as well as he played, does it tell you that he wasn't learning fast enough? Or that, is there that, something else? That seems like a rational conclusion. I mean, I, I don't necessarily, I mean, I, I clearly don't know what's going on inside the head of Brandon Bean or the brass at one Bill's drive, but it, it was interesting the way that they deployed Williams. I feel like long-term they see him being the middle linebacker, but I feel like, and we've talked about this on past episodes I think a veteran is where who they want to man that Mike position. And that's why a guy like AJ Klein, um, who is a veteran who is not the most athletic, um, but knows how to get around the field is great in run coverage and is a liability in pass coverage. But maybe the bills think they can overcome that with, with the rest of the depth in that defense. I think AJ Klein could be a guy who really uh, ends up, you know, being the starting middle linebacker just because he's not going to, He's not going to crash the car and he's got a stable floor. You know, the bills look for stability on that defense. And I don't know. I don't think it's going to be like Balin Spector has come, uh, has fallen out of favor. So I don't think he's going to be the starting middle linebacker. And with Bernard having the hamstring injury, I mean, those are nagging injuries that can keep you off the field for a while. Right. And I, I think, unfortunately, what this means is we're going to see an awful lot of sub packages which leaves you vulnerable. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that, but I think that you're going to end up seeing the, the Taylor Raps come in and taking rep at, at linebacker on obvious passing downs. And then you've got Terrell Dodson coming in on obvious rundowns. The problem with that is you bring in, you bring in a Bernard who struggles in pass coverage. And what do you think the Bill Belichick's of the world are going to do the moment they see him on the field? They're clearly not going to run the ball. They're going to get him matched up in man-to-man coverage one way or the other and and throw at him. So, you know, that that's my concern for having players that are specialized like that. Uh, yeah, it, it remains to be seen, but this to me is still a gaping hole on the roster because even though the floor is high with a Klein, another guy who just really can't play pass coverage. You're right. It's it's still concerning that linebacker, middle linebacker, is still a weak spot uh, heading into week two of the preseason. But, you know, we'll have to see what the Bills can put out there when it comes to masking their deficiencies. Let me talk about a thing that I particularly liked uh, about them is seeing the safety depth on the team. Their third team safety, Zane Anderson, running all over the field, making big sticks out there. Again, another position where I think the Bills are going to probably lose players that end up making the roster and contributing on other teams. Yeah, the Bills are going to have depth. That's for sure. A lot of players who are going to get the interest of other GMs when cut day comes in a couple of weeks. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Jamie, we, we've been talking here on Believe about our observations from week one of the preseason. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, and as we sit here discussing uh, Kyle Allen and Matt Barkley, I want to put this caveat out there. With both the pros of Matt Barkley and the cons of Kyle Allen, it's really hard to gauge a quarterback in a preseason, especially in week one of the preseason, because it wasn't like the Bills were drawing up game plans specifically for their quarterbacks. They were they really wanted to see how they re- related and interacted with the offensive linemen, with their running backs and their wide receivers. But it wasn't like there was really a scripted game plan in place for starter Kyle Allen or backup Matt Barkley to show what they can do with the offense. Now, that being said, Kyle Allen scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I almost wonder what do you, do we have a quarterback two controversy on our hands? Did Matt Barkley do enough to overtake Kyle Allen, or are you more of the school of thought that it's one game, let the preseason play out before we anoint who's going to be Josh's backup? Well, I I think that when you look at a preseason game, you have to be cognizant of what the competition is, and Barkley was going up against the third team, whereas Kyle Allen was going up against the first and second team. So maybe in the next game, you switch that around and give uh, and, and give Barkley reps with the first team. But to me, I, I, I don't know that the backup quarterback is on the roster right now when the season finally comes around because they, they just didn't look that good. And, you know, Kyle Allen, with his starting experience, you would think that he could pull it off a little bit better than he did, but gosh, yes. Okay. He made a couple of good throws, but he was bad. He he just wasn't good. Uh, Matt Barkley looked good getting the ball out on time, but you know what? This is the time of year for the noodle armed quarterbacks to look strong because if they have the timing, they can beat the, the third stringers and the fourth stringers on the field what they can't do is drive the ball and throw into tight windows that are created by first team defenses. So it's it's kind of apples to apples, and I, I'm not I'm not ready to anoint anyone yet. Yeah, I, I actually I want to get there's a point I want to make that you brought up about 30 seconds ago, and I'm gonna get to it in a little bit. But as we're breaking down the quarterbacks, I feel like 
much is going to be made of Kyle Allen and the interception, but it really wasn't his fault on the interception. The ball bounced off of the Bills receiver's hands and into the Colt defender who took it to the house for a pick six. And Kyle wasn't helped with a bunch of drops that his receivers uh, had on throws that he put in their bread basket. But my issue with Kyle was there were just as, as much as you want to take him off the hook for some of the drops not being his fault, he clearly misfired on passes that should have been caught or that should have been completions that should have been on the money. And he just looked erratic with his arm. And so here's the point that I'm getting back to that you made earlier, Jamie as great. Look, you can read Matt Barkley's 14 of 15 for a buck 72 and two touchdowns and get excited. But we know what Matt Barkley is. He is Mm -hmm. a third string quarterback. He's your practice squad guy. He's your insurance in case everything goes horribly wrong, then you turn to Matt Barkley to be your quarterback. He is not the guy who should be one play away from stepping in if anything happens to Josh Allen. I really hope the Bills play the numbers game at quarterback. And what I mean by that is you said earlier you don't think Buffalo's backup for this year is on the roster. And I happen to agree with you. Here is who I hope the Bills trade for. And I'm not sure how much it would take to bring him in but there's going to be a quarterback who's cut or traded rather most likely in San Francisco with the death of the dearth of bodies they have there between Brock Purdy Trey Lance Sam Darnold they're not going to keep all of these quarterbacks how cool would it be if the Bills could bring in Sam Darnold who is tight with Josh Allen who would step in and be an immediate upgrade how what do you think about that solution trading for Sam Darnold to be the backup I think that would be fantastic, and it would be a great opportunity for Sam Darnold to build up some of his uh, some of his reputation and get that back. My only concern about bringing in someone else is that Kyle Allen was specifically brought in because he's Josh Allen's bestie. Is Josh Allen going to get upset about this? If that happens, are are we looking at an unhappy Josh Allen, or do you think that he is? business-minded enough that if they go to him and say, look, I know he's your buddy, but we just can't count on him to win games if you are not in there. I would hope that Josh would have the professional business approach that this is about winning and it's not about feelings. And who knows, maybe they could keep Kyle as a third-string quarterback or put him on the practice squad. I don't think Kyle Allen is going to have a large market of teams looking to sign him. I mean, he was barely on the radar of teams this off season when Buffalo brought him in as the number two. So I would think that Josh would see the team's interests ahead of his own BFF connection and would find a way to get past those feelings. If he had them, I, I would hope so. I would hope so, but it, they, they have to be careful in how they do it. Right. Oh yes. Everything approached with caution for sure. When it comes to people's feelings and emotions and those emotions are running high Jamie in the preseason, because again, These guys want to run through a wall to show that they deserve a spot on the roster real quick. I want to, I want you to give me one or two more names that stood out to you from the preseason, good or bad. And I will follow suit. Then we'll wrap up this week's episode of Billy. Uh, Good Khalil Shakir, bad Khalil Shakir. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I was a little confused by the good part. He did have, that nice catch, but he also had a mind-boggling drop. I don't know, Jamie. Khalil is battling the inconsistencies this offseason. Yes, absolutely. And he 
obviously is dropping down the depth chart, but we saw what he could do when he had that reception, went up, caught it cleanly. He caught a couple of passes and then dropped a, a sure first down reception that was right on his hands. What the hell, buddy? Um, also, a good, you mentioned Dorian Williams. I'm going to say that too. And uh, one more player who I think is going to make a case for making the practice squad, Terrell Shavers. Now, he had a tipped ball and a drop, but then he came back and is a big target and seemed like he was a guy the quarterbacks were looking for. Yeah, Shavers, I, I tell you, he almost seemed like he was working his way off of the roster by dropping two of his first three targets. But then that fourth target, getting that 22-yard touchdown where he he absolutely left the linebacker in his dust for that. Um, he's had a really strong training camp. Drops are a concern, but I did like to see what shavers uh, put on the field on tape yesterday. I also enjoyed watching the speed of Andy Isabella. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that guy can flat out fly. The bills clearly want to see him in the return game, but also maybe he's the seventh wide receiver. I mean, there's a lot of bodies that are competing for wide receiver reps. And I thought Andy Isabella did a really good job um, of showing off why he should be on the roster. That 30-yard reception was awesome. He caught 42 ball, 42 receiving yards on three receptions. Um, and Tyrell Shavers, of course, had a really nice performance too. So I think Buffalo's wide receiver depth is greater than the Bills fans gave it credit for, and I really right. enjoyed seeing them put that uh, on tape on Saturday. And I also want to give two quick shout-outs. One to Osiris Torrance. I thought he did a great job being thrust into the starting role for the entire first half. He made a lot of, he, he, you didn't, you didn't hear his name getting called. And for an interior offensive lineman, that's great because if your name's getting called, it's for a holding penalty or a block in the back or some atrocity, you're not going to give your interior guards uh, credit on the broadcast. But I thought Torrance did a really good job in limited action, great run blocking. And he was above average in the pass protection game. On the converse side, somebody who I did not think had a great performance in the opener, the last name I'll mention, a guy who really needs to get his act together this year is A.J. Epinesa, and mm -hmm. I did not see it. He, he completely vanished on the field. And I know a lot of Buffalo's defensive lines struggled initially on those first couple of drives, but Epinesa is battling for a roster spot. He's entering a contract year. He needs to be more consistent in the development of the pass rush, and he it was lacking. So I'm going to give him my final, if you will, uh, stock going down after the opener. I like it. What do you think, Bills fans? Give us your thoughts on what stood out to you from week one of the preseason. Get involved with us on Twitter. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. We look forward to getting your feedback on social media. Jamie, thanks as always, buddy. Hey, man, great talking to you. Can't wait till next week. Ah, yes. Next week's episode of Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, will get you ready for more preseason action. We love talking Buffalo Bills football here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 